If you need a Bible, again, they're over on the lamp or in the back. If you don't own a Bible, please that, take that. That's, that's our gift to you. It's important that, that you have the Bible open in front of you and kind of memorize it, study it, you know, read it, all, all that good stuff. So we believe in the Bible. I hope that's okay. That's what, that's what we're preaching out of. So welcome to Church Project. If, if you have not uh, been coming here and this is uh, your first time or you're not familiar with it, we've been going through the book of Luke since January. And we find ourselves right now, we are in Luke chapter 6. We're about actually to get to chapter 7. Imagine that, huh? You thought it would take us 20 years to get to chapter 7. It's only taken us 8 months or whatever. So here we are. We're, we're, in, we're about to hit chapter 7. And I want to just read this passage. It's a very powerful passage. Uh, and then we'll begin to t- kind of go in and, and, and pick it apart and, and see what God may be teaching us here. So Luke chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse, verse 43. We're going to go all the way to verse 49. Luke chapter 6, 43 through 49. And this is, this is Jesus talking. Just so you know this, Luke has, has written this. He's a physician. Uh, he's very accurate in his detailed account of what he's writing right here. And he, he writes it so we will know the life of Jesus. And in this particular section we're about to read right here, Jesus is standing up and he's giving a sermon later in Matthew. It's called the Sermon on Mount, but this is a, a, a smaller uh, message. So this is Jesus actually speaking. So think of Jesus himself speaking these words. In verse 43, this is what he says. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from the bushes or grapes from briars. Verse 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil thing out of the out of the evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord Lord and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. Verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundations on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on a ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for bringing us here. I pray that your word will speak to us. I pray that that we can find who you are in this scripture, and I pray that as we leave here today, we've seen your face, we've, we've heard your voice, and we are encouraged by who you are, God. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray, amen. As we get to this section right here, we've seen Jesus... Um, in Luke, he's done a lot of things. He's done a lot of miraculous things. Like he, he goes around, and he's healing people. He's he's doing uh, you know healing ministry is pretty cool. You know people are starting to walk and you know being you know not sick anymore, and that's pretty good. He has the healing power. But right here, I believe that as we get into this section, and he's been doing it for a little while in Scripture, he turns in and he goes healing. That's good. Like healing, walking, when you couldn't walk, that's good. I am moving, though, into a realm of teaching. And I want to teach. Because once you know truth, the truth will set you free. 
Like physical healing, sure, you'll be able to walk for, you know, a couple 20, 30, 50 years, however, you, however long that you're on earth, and, and how cool that is. That's incredible. But I, Jesus, am here to teach you truth because the truth will set you free, as it says in John eight thirty two. The truth will set you free. And not only that, Jesus gets into this section right here where he goes, I'm teaching you truth. I'm going to teach it to you passionately, and it is black and white. Like, it is powerful. And how you accept this word is up to you. I'm not going to water it down. Here is the word. And this is what I want to tell you as he goes through these verses right here. So let's look at verse 43. Verse 43 says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 44, Each tree is recognized by its own fruit recognized by its own fruit. I don't know what your Bible looks like right now, but I underlined recognized in my Bible. There's, a, <laughs> there's something that happened. Chad and I did this last week. Thanks for, thanks for letting us be gone last week, but we were a little crazy. Chad and I went and did a, a, a half Ironman, which is a, very, a, lot, a lot of distances. About this time last, last uh, week, I was dying. I was praying the Lord would kill me or something. Uh, you know? But as I was going through this race, there were many moments I was very emotional. Like, I am, the, I am so excited. Oh, I hate life. Like, I'm all over the place. Like, chemically, things are happening in my body. It ended up taking us six, seven hours to do this, this whole big race. And so we went through a whole array of emotions during this time. And as, as I finished, which I'm, I'm so glad I was able to finish, I finished and I immediately went and got a massage. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. They have massage tables out. I'm like, I was so excited to go get my massage. Got a massage and started shoveling piles of food in my mouth because I had just burned so many calories I thought I was going to pass out. So anything they were handing me, I'm like shoving it in my mouth. And, and, I'm, and I'm going because there's more people that are still coming in on the course. And so I go to the finish line, and it's a long deal. Like it's a, like 200 yards of just, you know, Iron Man stuff and the music pumping and all these banners like, you're the greatest in the world, you know, and family just cheering and yelling and all this stuff. And, and I walk over there barely, and I'm just kind of watching the people come through. But you know what I realized there? And, and I realized it when I was running as well. You could, you could recognize the people who had trained. Like, you really could, especially by the finish line, because some people are coming through, and they're like, well, the ones that look like gazelles, they finished before me. And they, they probably looked incredible, actually, like three hours before me. But, but the ones that finished with me and after us and after Chad and all that, I mean, they were, like, just dragging. And you could see it in their face. Like, their nutrition probably wasn't the best. Their training probably wasn't the best. And someone just get the ambulance ready, because these guys are, or ladies are, are about to collapse. And so at the finish line... You could recognize which tree had trained. At the finish line, you could recognize what had happened in the previous months leading up to this race. And as we look at verse 43 and we look at verse 44, it says, You know what? No tree bears bad fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit. And a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. But in verse 44, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. What that tree does and how that tree lives and how that tree views Jesus and how he or she interprets life, that's what is recognized from that tree. The fruit that is produced from that tree. See, the physical lesson that I had last week of, of running this Ironman and, and you know, uh, 
you guys hike the 14er. I mean, these, these physical lessons that we have in life take us to a point where it's like we recognize whether we were ready for that or we were not ready for that. And it's obvious to everyone else around us as well. And these physical things, I think, can teach us some things, even spiritually. So here's our, my encouragement to you today. If you don't get anything out of today, get this. Go sign up for an Ironman. It'll draw you closer to God. Okay? There, there you go. I'm, I'm joking. But thanks for the courtesy laugh. See, no, no non-training runner, no non-training runner can show up and just break records and set blistering paces. I mean, in order to set these paces and to set records, you have got to train and when you don't train, it's obvious to everyone around you that you have not trained adequately enough. See, as I was training for this Ironman, you know, the swimming part of the, the race, I was actually the most scared of the swimming. And so I, I swam the most just to get used to it, right? Um, I, I did lots of training for the swimming. Like, I did karate training and kickbox training and how to pee in a wetsuit. You know, I did all that. I'm joking. But the swim was nothing more than moving legs and punching arms and getting through that. So I, I felt good with the swim. And, and the bike was a 56-mile bike race. And I couldn't find any of that Lance Armstrong stuff. So I struggled through that. Uh, but, I, but I finally made it through the bike. And, and the run, you know what the run was to me? I obviously, I did not train enough for the run. I hate running. Does anyone in here, do you guys, anyone love running? Raise your hand. Yes? Okay, you should have ran for me. We could have done like a team thing. But running and me, we don't get along. Earlier in life, like in third grade, we got along. But now, we don't get along much. So I didn't train much for the running. I did what probably a lot of us have done for tests. I prepared mentally. Mm, You know, just thinking. Walked on coals, stuff like this. I didn't actually run. I just mentally thought, I am the best runner in the world. And, and that's the stuff where, it, 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 I, that's the part of the race where I kind of just crumbled, honestly. It's because I wasn't prepared enough, and my fruit that I produced wasn't, wasn't good during the run. What are we putting in our lives? What are we putting in our hearts? What are we putting in our minds? If we're training for a race, then we're going to be ready for the race. If we're not training for the race, we're not going to be ready for the race. If we say we know who Jesus is, are we spending time with him? Are we finding our identity in him? What kind of fruit are we producing? See, our actions sell us out. (laughs) Our actions will sell us out. It doesn't matter what we're thinking or how we're feeling. Our actions will sell us out. This life and for this life, and even for the life when, when we die and we stand before Jesus. See, I believe this passage is talking here and now, for us right now, as we live and walk and breathe. It's saying, hey, what kind of fruit are you producing? What, how are people recognizing you? And it's, it's teaching us in this aspect, but at the same time, simultaneously, I believe it's asking and teaching us a bigger lesson. Saying one day, all of us, Regardless of age, size, what country, economics we have, regardless of any of that, we're all going to die. And we're all going to be standing before Jesus. And he's either going to recognize us or he's not going to recognize us. Let's, Let's move on right here. Verse 44 says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And I can only get to its own fruit until I had to do a lot of just introspective and God teach me some things through this. Because as I read its own fruit, there's so many things that came to my mind. 
one of the first things that came to my mind is this. You can't blame the fruit of my tree on someone else's tree. I can't blame what's going on in my life by someone else's life. I can't blame whatever fruit I'm producing in my own life, my tree, because of someone else's tree. See, Romans 14, 12 says this, each will give an account of ourselves to God, which means in our life, as we're growing up, some things in our life are going to happen to us that are dark and beyond our control. Some devastating things for some of us that will indeed (laughs) determine, shape who we are and how we see the world around us. Good and sometimes terribly bad. But as we read scripture right here, and we begin to understand who God is, we get to this point right here in verse 44, it says each tree is recognized by its own fruit. We can't let the world around us and the circumstances around us dictate our relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether it's, it's mountaintop experiences or just valley lows, whether it's the coolest experiences we've ever had in our life or the darkest, most unspeakable things that have ever happened to us, they will shape us, our experiences, but our relationship with Jesus Christ is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we begin to get lost in who Jesus says we are, when we begin to get lost in his love, the circumstances are just circumstances that we can live through and we can begin to process through, but it should not determine whether we know the love of Jesus Christ or not. See, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Some of us, and I had, I had to spend a lot of time on this, by the way, some of us, we love to blame other trees for our fruit. Right? I mean, it's easier to blame circumstances or other people or things that have happened in our life for our lack of fruit or for our fruit being tasteless and disgusting. It's so easy. We can look back in our past and we can go, yeah, but my mom or my dad or my friend or my business partner did this to me and it's, it's, now my fruit's terrible. And yeah, I, I get that. I understand pain. I understand that. And even the reverse of that, my mom, my dad, my friend, my youth pastor, they did this and now my fruit's glorious. No, it has nothing to do with your mom, your dad, your friend, your business partner. It has everything to do with you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. See, our past can shape us, but it cannot give us an excuse for what kind of fruit we're producing today. Our fruit is directly influenced by our ability to accept Jesus' love and to understand his grace and to walk in his identity. I want to say this one more time because this has helped me this week. Our fruit, the fruit that Aaron Havens produces, the the fruit that comes off of the tree of Aaron Havens or, or all of us individually, that fruit is directly influenced by our ability to accept Jesus' love. Are you accepting Jesus' love today? To understand his grace. Oh, that powerful word grace comes in. It says, no matter what you've done, how big, dark, ugly, whatever it is, my grace is enough for you. It covers over a multitude of sin. No matter how far removed you think you are from God and God can't love you, he sweeps in and he says, my grace 
Do you understand it? Do you understand it? Because if we can grasp how much Jesus loves us and we can understand his grace, the next part of this sentence was, we'll walk in his identity, who he is, and who he's created us to be. And a person, a human that grasps the love of Jesus, his grace, and we find our identity in who he is, is a person that is running with a smile on their face. And when Satan punches and when the world comes and it punches, it may take a little steam and it may take a little time to recover. And we lean on each other and we go to God and say, God, help me through this. But Satan can never steal the joy from our lives because we understand Jesus' love, his grace, and our identity is found in him. (laughs) Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. If we don't understand his love, grace, and and his identity, we base our lives off of what we see. What we see with our eyes and what we experience in our day in and our day out. So, when we've watched our dad beat our moms or talk rough and be short with them, we think that's normal and we begin to act like them. We've been hurt, so in turn, we hurt. And years later, we look at our lives and blame our fruit on someone else. What fruit is your life producing today? Let's let's go on. Let's go to verse 45. And again, I, I say this every week, but... This is one of my my biggest desires for us here at Church Project. That you would fall in love with scripture. You'd really want to dig into it. There's no way we we could point out everything that God is saying in these scriptures. And I believe individually God is teaching you guys right now incredible lessons that I've even overlooked and I haven't seen. And so I encourage you, go home and read through this and just ask God to continue to show you and teach you more of his scripture. Let's go to verse 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his, his mouth speaks. I want to hit pause right here and just, just underline or, or look at, spend some time, camp on, the, just those first three words. The, the, the good man. I think good, that, that word good, is one of those words that is just, it's been, it's been hijacked in our vocabulary. And especially in the world of Christendom or, you know, as Christians, we, you know, we use this word, I think Satan has hijacked it. Because quite honestly, I mean, how many of you have ever heard this? And maybe you've had conversations with coworkers or you even had this thought. How can a good God let bad things happen to good people? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever been in that conversation? And sometimes something so dark has happened to someone that they're heartbroken. I mean, their baby, their newborn baby just died. Or, or things that are, we can't understand. And they come to us and they say, I, I don't know about this God that you serve. Because how can a good God let terrible, bad things happen to good people? You ever thought about that? I think this is one of those words, good, that has been hijacked in the Bible, in our minds, in our understanding of it. Because even in that simple sentence, 
that's not so simple. It's complex. I ask this question, Romans 3, 23, all fall short of the glory of God, which is a basic question. Is there any one of us, any one of us that are good? On our own, left to myself, I am evil. I am selfish, I am self-absorbed, and I am greedy on my own. And so even in that sentence, how does a good God let, a, let bad things happen to good people? My very first thought is, who are these good people we're speaking of? Because me, I am not good. Apart from God, I am ugly and I am disgusting. Paul puts it in Romans 7, 18, says, there's nothing good in me. And this is Paul who wrote half the Bible, okay? This is Paul who's writing this and he's saying, there's nothing that's good in me. Good things come out of me. Good things come out of me because he, Jesus, has changed my life and he fills me. The only good that's going to come out of me is because Jesus is in my heart. Jesus is in my life, and he feels me. And any good that comes out is not on Aaron's own terms. It's because Jesus is good, and he is moving, and he is working through me. So the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? This, this word, Lord, Lord, is a Greek word that's Adonai. Maybe you've heard that song made, made famous by Amy Grant, I think. Adonai, right, which means to bend a knee. And when I think Lord, Lord, I look at that and I say, if Jesus, if I truly would look to Jesus and, and claim myself as a Christian and I want to be more Christ-like and he truly is my Lord, where I would look at him and call him Lord, Lord, then why do I not live like that? Why do I not live bent on a bent knee like a warrior serving a king? If we look at Jesus and we call him and we say, Adonai, you're Lord, Lord, you're my Savior, you're everything. You are my king and I am your servant. Then why do I not live like that? So verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I don't know. I don't know. There's times in my life where I can follow the, the, the uh, I can follow God and I can I can do exactly what He's asking. But there's other times in my life when I get so so self-absorbed that I don't know why I don't do what He says. It's like what Paul says. There's nothing that's good in me. We're constantly fighting and battling a world around us full of hate and teaching us how to hate when we speak a different language of love. Huh. Verse 47, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. I I read the word foundation. I think deep foundation. If you've ever built a house or you've seen the building process, that's the boring part. The stuff where you're like, can we get on with this? Like you don't see anything happening. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing with concrete, whatever. Let's get it going. Like get it going. Let's go up, right? You spend a lot of time. I was a batch plant manager in in Greeley, Colorado. And so, uh, or 
that's where we live, Gunnison, Gunnison, Colorado, I've moved too much, I'm sorry, Gunnison, Colorado, and, and one of my jobs was, it gets really cold in Gunnison, uh, and so our concrete would go like 40 miles away at like 30 degrees below zero, and as a batch plant manager, I, I had to kind of calculate how far away the concrete was going to be poured, and so I had to put a retardant in with the mix of the cement, you know, the concrete, so it wouldn't cold or, you know, whatever. It would get there the way on the right temperature it needed to get there. So I would add retardants to it. I would add stuff to slow it down, to speed it up. I would add stuff into the mix that that made it really, really smooth or even color. I could add color to it and send it up in our concrete trucks and like that. And so foundations, we we look at these foundations and, and no one really thinks when we're laying foundations of houses, how much work goes into bringing that concrete there? How many ingredients and how much math is actually put into just laying a sidewalk? There's a lot of math that goes into that. It's not easy. You just can't show up and say, I don't know, I want some water and some mud. And blah. There's a whole lot you got to do right here. And, and I'm thinking of foundations, and I let my mind kind of roll around, and, and I started thinking, God, man, foundations, if you know the Bible, there's a story of Paul, and Paul was a Christian hater. Let me, let me, you know, let me explain. He wasn't a Christian hater. He loved to kill Christians. That was his job. And, and God came along, and he had a moment where he met God on the road, and God changed his heart, and suddenly Paul, this is the St. Paul that's written a ton of the Bible, he, he fell in love with God. But there was a moment of time in between his, I hate, I'm killing Christians, into I'm not now dying and saving the world at large and writing these Bibles, that, that Paul himself had to spend a significant amount of time learning about who Jesus was. See, Jewish, he knew the Old Testament, Paul did, but he did not know the life of Jesus. He did not know him as a Savior. So if you read the Bible in the part where Paul has this great conversion, Paul kind of is, is around for three years, just meeting people, going to different places, discipling. I mean, he's learning all he can about Jesus. What is he doing right now? He, Paul himself is laying a foundation before he goes to Jerusalem. As I think about foundations in our life, especially as this Christian faith, it reminds me of a time when I was really, 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 legalistic. You know what that word means? Like, I followed every rule to a T. Like, like I, I, would, I would wake up and I would read my Bible. I would, I would start my timer, be like, okay, I'm reading my Bible for 47 and a half minutes today. And it was exact. Like, I would not miss it. And I think, I think of this time. Here's my, here's my Aaron Baptist really legalistic um, notebook. This is a really cool notebook. Like, it is awesome. There's sections in here. Oh, this is my private journal part. Don't read that. <laughs> I have sections in here, and I would open this up every day, and I would spend, I don't know, two, three hours probably every day in this thing, and I kind of miss this time in my life, actually. I learned so much, but I don't know. There's sections in here where I would write, okay, God, I'm thankful for this. There's my thankful section, right? God, I'm, I'm reading this, and I would, I would literally write down what I was reading in the Bible. So it was like I was copying it, and then I was putting my own verses, you know, my own thoughts next to that. There's prayers. I was really good. I had prayers for everyone I knew, every country, like whatever. I mean, it's, it's in here. My memory verses, because every, every good guy has memory verses, right? I, I, I memorized verses. Another journal, that's kind of gross. Then, a, then, a, then neat stuff. I, I would come across neat things like 
fabulous messages and I'd write them down or, or whatever. Here's, oh yeah, Bible studies, because I was in like six or seven of those every week, you know, going through Bible studies and then, oh, here's sermons from neat guys. Like this is, this is my, this is, you know what this is? This was a, what we call a legalistic time in life. This was a very rich time in life for me. I think back on my life and I think of the foundations that has been laid for my life, even to be standing here right now. And it goes back years and years and years. And the foundations are the hard things in life. Those are the things that take time. It's the unseen stuff. Foundations are the hard work. And I want to ask you right now, if you call yourself a Christian, are you spending time getting to know who God is? It may be in a form like this. It may be in a form of going on a hike in a 14er. I'm not sure what God is walking through with, with you right now, but are you spending time laying the foundations, bending your knee and saying, Lord, Lord, and calling on him? If, if you would, you maybe already just sat on them, or maybe you just put them in your Bible, but you sat on our marketing plan. Those two cards, like that's it. Like that, that, that's our marketing plan. Like, isn't that brilliant? It's doesn't really go beyond that. I mean, but if you look, grab, grab one of those cards. Look on the, look on the back side. And, and we've talked about this, and it's, it's, it's a s- simple sentence, but really it's, it's kind of complex. We want to change the way that people see Christ, Christians, and church. What, what does that mean? I mean, we've, we've even had discussion on what, 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 what does this mean? How, how do you go about doing this thing? You know what it means? It means to be so rooted in him. It means our identity is him, Jesus. It means we long for him. We respond like him. We love him. Our fruit is like him. We continually look for him in in everything. He is our Lord. It means being non-typical, speaking a different language. It means we are loving life and we smile and we're, we're serving others. We exist means we enjoy what God has given us. It's not normal to live like this. It's not normal to see the bad things in life and and have the most terrible things happen to us and us to respond with, we don't understand why this just happened, but God is good. I am not, but I need him. That's not normal. And if that's not normal and that's how we're supposed to live, I think that's a pretty good thing to write on a card. What would a church look like? What would a people look like if we would change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church? I can tell you this. This room would be packed. Our houses would be packed. Everywhere that we go, people would want a little bit of this Jesus. Let's, let's, let's go on here. We'll start in 48 and kind of just close it down right here. I'm hitting just highlights here. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock, Jesus. 
when a flood came, the torrent struck that house. The flood came, a torrent struck that house. You guys were here last Saturday. I wasn't. We were in Boulder, and, and Lauren called me, and, and she's like, I think we're about to get swept away either by a tornado or by a flood. And, and Chad and I from Boulder looked back towards Greeley, and it was black, like the, the blackest weather you could see. And, and you guys were here, I mean, hail. And, and some of you, there was a picture of, of these girls at a park, sitting on, standing on a park bench, and it looked like a river. I mean, so much water. Um, so when a torrent comes, so we may have in mind a little bit what a torrent looks like, right? So when a torrent comes and struck that house, but could not shake it. Why? Because it was built on a foundation, a rock of Jesus Christ. Because it was well built. Verse 49, But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. We can build the fanciest house We could live the coolest life ever, you know, doing that squirrel jumping thing with that that suit that you fly like that. That's awesome. I want to do that one day. I mean, like, you could experience the coolest life ever. You could make the most money ever. Yes, Chad, and we're doing that next. We could live the coolest life ever on this earth and have the coolest house built possible, and everyone would look at us and go, look at that person and all they've accomplished and how good they are and how experienced they are and on and on and on we can go but what they don't see is the foundation of that house do we have our house built on Jesus Christ if so right on the torrent comes life comes and our house stands if it's built on anything other than Jesus Christ though away it goes meaningless like waste And again, this is the part where Jesus is teaching, and I think he's teaching us for this life and and for when we die. And he's saying, both in this life and in this end life, the flood will come. The flood today, I'm not sure what the flood today may be for you. It may be that coworker that just, it may be these bad things that are happening in your life. It may be addictions. It, It may be the economy. It may be, who knows, we can go through a list of things in this life that are like a torrent and can, and can wash us away and devastate us and, and frustrate us and depress us. These things, these torrents come at us every day. How is your life built? Is it built on the rock of Jesus? Will it stand? So he's teaching us about today, but he's also teaching us about it when we die. If we in this life never surrendered control of our life to Jesus Christ, when the grand finale torrent comes called death, we stand before him and he either says, I know you and I love you, or depart from me. I never knew you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. What torrents are you facing today in your life? What worries do you have today? What things are confusing or what obstacles are ahead of you that look just overwhelming? What, what is stressing you out? These are torrents that are coming and Jesus is smiling through all of this. And he's saying, child, 
I love you. Like, stay focused on me. Stay focused on me. I will help you and I will be with you through anything that life throws your way. And when you mess up, and you will mess up, my grace will cover you. And we will keep walking hand in hand, and your identity should be lost in me. If you would, just close your Bibles. Um, and, and I would love to just spend some time just, man, letting God work with you on this. I'm not sure what jumped out at you. I'm not sure what, what Jesus may have been showing you in here. And there's no way that, that I would be able to just, just, I don't know, inject you with life change. That would be superficial if I could do that. That's the job of, of God and the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and to work in your mind right now. But I, I just want us to meditate and think on some things. I'd like to ask a couple questions. If you would, just, just close your eyes and, and say, God, I, I, I want to respond to you today. I want to see you. What fruits do people recognize you for? In your life, as you think on your life. The Bible says the fruits of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are these the kind of fruits that, that people would say, yeah, that's what that person represents? Well, people look at your life and say, that, that person's different. They're full of joy. They're, they're full of hope. I can see Jesus in them. being honest with yourself today and you'd be like nah I, I, I kind of live one life on Sundays and a different life during the week or I say I'm a Christian but my actions sometimes it just doesn't line up maybe those are the things even today that you can just give over to Jesus just say Jesus I'm so sorry my fruit has not been what you what you've asked what you've required Help me line myself up with you, God. As we're thinking of fruits, the part that may have just jumped out the most to us today was just the fact that, you know what, quite honestly, we are blaming our fruits on our past. We have bitterness and unforgiveness in us that is ruining our life and giving us an excuse why not to live a life full of joy today. If that's you, ask God to come and, and heal you of this bitterness, to let you forgive, lose your identity in who He is. Ask Him, God, man, please find my identity in who You are. us, we, we still see ourselves as good men, good women, with all the answers. 
that's the case, if Aaron is a good man, this world is in a lot of trouble. I need Jesus to fill me, to act through me, to be the good that people see. Some of us, we we honestly can't say we would call Jesus Lord, Lord. We've never encountered him in a real way. Brittany Manning has a, has a quote that just radiates with me all the time, and it just says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Do you live your life where people would would point and say there is a man or a woman chasing after God, an imperfect man and an imperfect woman chasing after God, but that's the real thing. I want that. Some of us, we're in a torrent. We're in a flood, a flood of rage, of lust, of self-confidence. We're in a torrent. Life is coming at us so fast and we don't know how to respond right now. If that's you, pray that you spend some moments just right now, just holding your hands out to God and saying, God, I give you control of all of my life, the good, the bad, everything. Would you please navigate me through these waters? May I lose myself in who you are, God. I'm gonna invite all of us just to respond to God this morning. On your back right is communion. And some of us, we may be so broken and so thankful for what God has done for us, dying on the cross to shed his blood for us, to forgive us of our sins so we could lose ourselves in him. We're so overwhelmed with that, that ultimate act of love that we'll participate in communion today. We'll go and take a piece of bread and dip it in the grape juice and let it represent his broken body and his spilled blood for us so we wouldn't have to die so we could have this hope we could have this life and it's with tears we'll do that today for some of us we'll worship God by standing and lifting our hands and singing to him some of us, God may be working on us so much that we're just going to sit right here. We're just going to think on this. We're going to ask God to show us. We're going to talk to Him. You can also worship God on that same table with uh, giving to Him, with our tithes and offerings. Just giving joyfully, giving back to Him what He's given to us. Giving faithfully, obediently, generously. 
want to unite with all of our life and what God is doing. I'm going to invite us all to just stand at this moment. Danny is up front. If you would like prayer or need prayer with about something right now, don't leave here. If you would love to pray and talk with someone, ask that this moment would be a real moment where you encounter real life change and see a real Savior. So may I pray with us. God, I pray that in this place your Holy Spirit would be moving in all of our lives, drawing us to yourself, calling us to be more like you, whatever that may look like in our lives, God. I pray that we don't ignore that but we dig deep and we lay a deep foundation with you. And today may be the day that we begin to change, God. We may begin to understand how much you love us. So God, I thank you for your love, for your word, and for moving in this place. Please have your way in our hearts and in our minds.